0: Hey everybody, we'd like to welcome you to the Ewok Podcast. We hope your day's going good. This is the official podcast of the East Wilton Union Church located in Wilton, Maine. And today we're going to hear a message from Robbie Locke, our senior pastor. We hope that it's a blessing to your life and that God uses it to help you walk closer with him. And our prayer is that you would grow closer to him in truth and in love. Well, without further ado, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Open with me again this morning, please, to the book of Colossians. And we have already had our scripture reading, verses 5 through 8. I am going to reread a part of it in just a moment. But a reminder that in verses 3 through 8 of chapter 1, we have the apostolic commendation he begins writing to these believers because he wants to commend them because of three very important things that he gives thanks to God in prayer for he's thankful for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ he's thankful for their love for the brethren and he's thankful for the hope that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ and we have been talking about those things in the last couple of weeks and so I mentioned them only to move on to the next section here in verse 5 the second part of the verse through verse 6 he says you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth let's just bow for prayer our God and Father as we have gathered together in your house today our desire Lord is in hearing the Word of God to respond to it in faith and to live it out in our experience every day we need the help of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this so Lord move in our hearts, work in our lives, teach us in the minutes that we have left in this service. And we'll thank you, Father, for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you about the salvation that came to the Colossians because of their hearing and responding to the gospel, and then the fruit that developed in their lives because of their faith in that gospel. The first thing I want you to notice with me in verse 5 is that the gospel is the word of truth. The end of verse 5 it says, You heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Now, the truth of the gospel comes from God himself. It proceeds from the God who is truth. But not only does the gospel proceed from God, but the Bible teaches that the word of God which contains the gospel, is authored by the Spirit of truth. And let me just talk to you about these things from this particular verse. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says, However, when He, who is He? The Spirit of what? The Spirit of truth. When the Spirit of truth has come, and He's talking about the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But notice this. Maybe you've never noticed this phrase before. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. It says that the Holy Spirit will share with you the word of truth, which is the word which the Holy Spirit hears and then passes on to you. Now... We know that the Holy Spirit authored the scriptures. The scriptures are inspired by God. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So why is it that the gospel is something that the Spirit hears and then communicates? It's because in the process of salvation, even as the Lord Jesus was subject to the Father, even so the Holy Spirit is also subject to the Father. Jesus came and he said, I don't say what I want to say. I say what I have been told to say. I don't do what I want to do. I am doing what the Father, the one who sent me, I'm doing what he gave me to do. The Holy Spirit has the same relationship to the Father in the context of getting the gospel out to us. Now, the Holy Spirit is equally God. Jesus is equally God. But in the gospel, the Father is the originator of the gospel. He's the one who made the plan of salvation. Jesus comes to fulfill the plan by dying on the cross for our sins and rising again from the dead. And the Holy Spirit now applies the gospel to us as he convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so in the communicating of truth, the Holy Spirit has submitted to the Father and He communicates whatever He hears from the Father to us. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that the gospel comes from God and He is the God of truth who speaks to us through the Spirit of truth as well. And so the gospel that we have received is the word God. truth. The second thing I want you to notice in verse 5 is that they heard the word of truth. You say "Well, well why is that important? Well it's important because if you never hear the gospel you can never believe the gospel. If you never believe the gospel you can never be saved. So the first stage of salvation is hearing the gospel. And when you hear the Word of God and it's explained to you the way of salvation, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work of conviction within the heart, bringing you to the place where you are ready to respond to that message of salvation. This verse in Romans is very familiar to us all. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In other words if you don't hear about it you can never believe that truth I remember when we lived in Bangor many 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 years ago and Wanda would always look forward to a certain day of the week when the newspaper came because in it were all of the promotional things about the different stores you know what they were selling and what was on sale and all of that and there was nothing more frustrating to her that when that day came and the newspaper didn't come Because she didn't get the what? The news about all those wonderful things she was going to save money on this week, right? You see, if you don't hear about a deal, you can't participate in the deal. And if you don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. And where does the gospel come from? Hearing the word of God. Now, you don't have to sit in a service and hear it preached to you. That's one way. But just one other individual sitting with you and explaining the way of salvation. You're hearing the word of God. It may be on a radio program or a TV program. But you must hear the gospel. If you don't hear it, you'll never be saved. Why? Romans 10:14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Can you call on Jesus if you've never heard of him? No. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Can they believe in him if they've never even heard of him? No. And how shall they hear without a what? Well, thank God for pastors and missionaries and evangelists because without them, the whole world is going to hell. Is that what he's saying here? Is the preacher only the professional? I got news for you. The idea of this is the one who is the proclaimer. And we are all responsible. We saw last week, one of the things we talked about in our message last week, were our responsibilities with regard to sharing the gospel with the lost world. So we need to be sharing Jesus Christ with others so that they might hear the truth and be saved. Faith is not something that you work up in yourself. Faith is something produced in you by God as you hear the word of God, the gospel of Christ. And for this reason, we need to make sure and obey the command that Jesus gave just before he left to go back to heaven. He gathered his disciples around him and he said this, Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. Every human being on this planet has the right to hear the good news of salvation. How many of you are glad you heard the gospel? I mean, you are, aren't you? What if nobody ever told you? What if you were in a country today where the preaching of Jesus Christ has been outlawed, where there are no copies? You know there are countries where there are practically none or no copies of the Bible? And the only ones that may exist in those countries have been snuck in over the border to be able to give to the people. You and I sometimes have two, three, four, ten copies of the scripture. There are people who have never seen one single verse. They've never even heard John 3.16 in their own written language. They must hear the gospel. There must be preachers. But dear friends, if we're not prepared to go into all the world and take it to the ends of the earth, there are people who are going to die and they will never hear the truth. But they will still go to hell. Now when I say that, I know that sometimes people look and react to me and say, Well, it doesn't seem fair. If they never heard, why should they go to hell? Well, the reason is, is that God has given them testimony already, which they have rejected. They have the testimony of two things. The testimony of creation. And in Romans chapter 1, it says that men look into creation, and God teaches them two truths about himself through creation. Number one, that he is God, and number two, that he is all-powerful. And so they have that testimony. But as you know, many people in the world reject that testimony and believe in evolution instead of believing in God who is the creator of heaven and earth. But there is a second witness to them, which many times they reject, and that is the witness of the conscience. You remember that Paul, in writing about this, said, listen, not everyone has received the law, the Mosaic law. But he said, everyone has received a law within themselves, the law of the conscience, which when you and I do things, whether someone is saved or not saved, when they do things, they know when they're doing something right and they know when they're doing something wrong. Now, sometimes that is because of what we have been taught as we've been brought up, right? Our families teach us certain principles of living. We learn from society. One of the reasons we put kids in school is so that they can learn to relate to one another and interact with other children and interact with authority figures and so on. All of these things are so important. But what does it do? It informs the conscience about what is right and what is wrong in a society. Now, can the world get that wrong? Of course it can. Even our consciences at times can fail us. You may be brought up to believe something is right when it's not right. Or you may be brought up to believe something is wrong and it's actually not wrong. So the conscience can fail us at times. But in general, the conscience says, you're doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing. And the Bible says that men reject the knowledge of God through creation. They re- reject the knowledge of God through the conscience. And so if they die, even if they have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have rejected the light that God offered to them. And because they rejected that light, life, uh, light the Bible says that they become responsible for God. All men are without excuse, the scripture says. Now having said that, We need to be careful not to fall into the error of saying, well, you know, I I hope somebody will go and tell them. I hope they'll get the good news someday. Folks, you and I need to be involved in the process to make sure the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. How do we do that? We do that by praying. Do you ever pray for countries of the world that do not have the gospel or that make it very difficult for the gospel to be preached? Do 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 you ever pray for Muslim countries? Do you ever pray for China? Do you ever pray for for so many others? I mean, there are others that have major religions like India and so on. Folks, think about it. We need to pray for these countries. We need to pray for the people in these countries that not only will they hear the gospel, that someone will get to them with the gospel, but that they will believe the gospel. So we can pray. We don't just pray for our missionaries. Pray for the lost people in those countries that God will open their hearts that he'll take the blinders off. And one thing I'm convinced of, if someone wants to know the truth, God will bring someone to them to hear the message of salvation. And so it's very important for us to proclaim the gospel of Christ around the world. We can pray. A second thing we could do is go. We can actually go. You know, God is still calling missionaries. Did you know that? you young people out there we got some young couples in our church now what are you gonna do young people if sometime in the near future the Lord starts tapping you on the shoulder and says I want you to go to India I want you to go someplace in Africa I want you to go to someplace in Asia and be a missionary and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ what are you gonna do often we have our own plans for the future don't we we're gonna do what we're gonna do and I want you to know God knows how to interrupt your plans and make his plans known and we not only need missionaries to go to the foreign fields God is still believe it or not God is still raising up pastors he's calling men to serve him full-time in pastoral ministry man God may be calling you Will you listen to his voice if he does? You see, God wants people that are full-time communicating the message of the gospel. So he is raising up missionaries and he's raising up pastors. He's raising up evangelists. But he wants all of us to be involved by praying. We can all go in the sense in which you can't get to Africa without walking by your neighbor next door. It starts there. If you want witness to your neighbor that you know, how are you gonna do when you get to Africa? Don't think it gets easy because you go to a foreign field. Believe me, it's harder because suddenly you have to do it in another language. So you have to go to language school. Do you, do you know how children talk when they're little? Do they do good grammar and do they have big vocabularies when they're just little kids? Do they? Do they always say it right? Now imagine having a sermon preached to you for 45 minutes and they're talking like you're five-year-old. How long would you put up with that? How long before you'd start looking for a new church? I'm telling you, in our world today, where church is a commodity, you know what people do? People say, I don't like this church, I'll go to the one down the road. Don't like that church, I'll find another one. This. My, the other day someone was here visiting with me and, and said, how many churches are there around here? I said, you wouldn't believe in this small area how many gospel preaching churches there are. There's a lot, folks. You're just looking at me like you're surprised. I mean, that, that, there's a lot. But God is still calling pastors. He's still, he said, I've got people that I want to go, but I want everyone to go in a certain sense. We all need to share Jesus with other people our family members, our friends, the people we go to school with, the people we deal with. But we not only pray and we not only go, but we can give. We can help support missionaries or ministries that are taking the gospel out there to the world. And even in countries where missionaries cannot go, there are radio ministries that proclaim the gospel into those countries. I was talking with, with Kern yesterday about my ministry on, in Spanish online, and I had shared with him a report that I had sent out just recently that over the last three months, just amongst Hispanic-speaking pe- uh, people in the world, in our ministry alone, just ours, not everybody else's, just ours, but there were over 3,000 people that speak Spanish in the last three months that received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And how do they do it? They heard it on the internet through our little site that says, Got questions? We can answer your questions about the Bible. And they go on and they basically ask questions like, How can I get to heaven? And then we present the gospel to them. And I get to write to those people all the time. I get to lead people to Christ all over the world. Right now, I receive questions from 35 countries around the world. All in Spanish, and I answer everything in Spanish. But guess what? Our ministry works with 172 languages, and we have people all over the world responding to questions in all of those languages on the internet. And we have people saved last month six thousand eight hundred people in the in the in the hundreds in the um, hundred. What did I say? 172 language groups. Over 6,000 people received Christ as Savior just last month. You can have a part in that. You can support a ministry like that that's getting the message out to the world. And there are countries where nobody can enter legally to preach the gospel. But they can't stop the internet. And they can't stop the radios. And they can't stop the televisions. And people are getting saved. You can help support those things. That's why to me it's very important that a local church that supports missions doesn't just support one kind of ministry. I think we should support various kinds of ministries that give opportunities. Folks, listen. It is our responsibility that everybody on planet Earth hear the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel, they cannot believe in Christ. And if they don't believe in Christ, they will never be saved. But what had happened to the Colossians? They had heard the word. And thank God they had believed the gospel of truth. He writes, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. This is the aim of evangelism. That people believe the gospel and receive it by faith but we don't want an intellectual knowledge of the gospel. We want an experiential knowledge of the gospel. In other words, for it to get beyond the head and to get into the heart because a gospel that does not transform your life is not the gospel of Christ. True knowledge of the gospel leads to transformation. Now, if I had said true Faith in the gospel leads to what? You know what most people would answer? Heaven. To faith in the gospel gets you to heaven. Well, if you're truly saved, it'll get you to heaven. But, folks, that's not why the gospel was given. God didn't save us just so we could go to heaven someday. I've said this probably so many times you get tired of hearing it that if God only saved you to take you to heaven, the moment He saved you, He would have taken you out of this world. He wouldn't have let you here to suffer and to go through the things you and I go through if he his only purpose was to get us to heaven. The minute you trusted Jesus, okay, come on and enjoy. But that's not why he saved us. He saved us to transform our lives here, to take control here, to lead us here, to give us commandments to obey here. But we must put our trust face and trust in him as the only one who can save our souls from sin and deliver us from hell he's the only one that can do that and so they had believed the truth and they were transformed in both character and transformed in conduct now none of us is perfect as Brother Kern was saying before none of us achieves perfection But do understand this, that when you get saved, you start from there as a babe, but you begin to grow and develop. If you stay like a babe, that is so sad. That is so sad. There are diseases where, and I don't know what the name of the conditions are, but there are some people who are born who look perfectly normal. They're little babies, but they never, ever grow any bigger than what they are when they're born. How would we react to a couple who had a baby and 10 years later, they're still here holding it like a little infant that small. They don't generally live that long. But the point simply being, when you have a baby, do you expect your child to grow? Don't you look forward to birthday number one? Come on, someone go like this, you know, I mean. And birthday number two, do we like number two? Do we like number three, four, five, and right straight on up through? Of course we do. And do we want them to grow up? Do we want them acting at five like they did at one? No. Do we want them acting at ten like they did at five? Do we want them acting at 25 the way that they did at ten? Unfortunately, there's a bunch of them in the world today. But do you understand what I'm saying? There needs to be progress. There needs to be growth. There needs to be development. And that's what was happening. They believed the gospel of the truth. It says not only that you heard. He says you knew the grace of God. And it's to know by experience. It changes you. It transforms you. And then the result of their belief in the truth was fruit. And we see that in verse 6. He says, which has come to you, the gospel has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit. One of the things I know, and you know, is that if the gospel is preached, some people get saved. It it would be wonderful if all people got saved, but they don't. Over the years, as an evangelist, while I was in South America, that was the focus of my ministry, I preached the gospel literally thousands of times in those uh, almost 18 years that we were in South America. And I preached to crowds of 20, and I preached to crowds of, of four, five, six hundred people. But you know what was interesting? In every case, not everybody responded. In fact, the vast majority did not respond but I can tell you of moments when I would stand before a large group of people and preach the gospel and have 40 adults step out of their seats and come forward to receive Christ as Savior. And I would look at that and I'd say, one thing I know, the gospel works. (laughs) And there was this little church in a town called Talagante, just outside of Santiago, Chile. And we had a church there, and that church had about 50 to 60 people on Sunday morning, just a small work, bigger than ours, but a small work. And I went to Talagante to have an evangelistic crusade, and I went for three months, once a week, before the crusade, and I taught the believers how to share the gospel, and then if somebody got saved, how to disciple them. And I trained 15 people in that church to share the gospel and to disciple, and I did that for three months. Then I came in and for four nights I preached the gospel. And this little church that had 50 to 60 people on Sunday morning, every single night from Thursday to Sunday night had 300 people crammed into that building. And I preached the gospel every night and every night people responded to the gospel and the people I had trained led them to the Lord and then enrolled them in a discipleship and began discipleship immediately. I stayed with them after the crusade for three weeks. uh, three months. I'd go back once a week for three months and help them work with their new believers on growing in Christ. And after I finished that, I didn't usually go back to a church like that for a good period of time. But I got invited for a Sunday, just out of the blue. If I'd just come and preach that one Sunday and I went back on a Sunday evening service Down there, their main service is on Sunday night rather than... They have Sunday morning, but the main worship service is Sunday night. And so I went there and preached on Sunday night. And the church, I I couldn't believe it. There was like 140, 150 people there. This was a year later. And I said, can I just ask a question? How many of you that are here tonight, when I was here a year ago for the evangelistic crusade, asked Jesus to be your savior? Would you just raise your hand? Do you know what? There were 37 adults there that had received Christ the year before, and there they were on a Sunday night a whole year later right at church. You know what that tells me, folks? The gospel works. The gospel's powerful. And when you and I go out to share the gospel, we need to believe this gospel is going to change some life. Now, this person today may say no, and I'll walk away sad. But I can't save anybody. I can't lead anybody. Only God can save somebody. All I can do is share the gospel. So if I've done my part, I can still walk away in victory because I shared the gospel. But it's God's business as to whether they're saved or not. But I want to tell you, and this is the great joy of life, is when you share Christ that now and then somebody is ready to respond. I remember when my son was born. And we couldn't wait for him to come. He was two and a half weeks over the due date. Wanda was so big that when she turned sideways, there was this much room between her belly and the door. I have the picture, I can prove it. We were so excited when he was born but she had been given too much demerol or whatever it was and when he was born he didn't want to breathe no crying no noise just lay there just limp by the way 9 pounds 12 and a half ounces 24 and a half inches long now that's a boy he's now 65 gives you an idea but I want to tell you something about him. He came out, no noise, nothing. They rushed him over to the table, and, they were working. and of course, mom and dad, here were, you know, I was in there with her, and we're like, where's the crying? There's supposed to be some crying going on here. And it kept going on, and, it, and, and you know, when it's like that, 10 seconds can seem like an hour. And, and they're working on him and trying to get him going. And finally, the only thing we heard from Toby was this. He went, <sighs> and he never cried didn't cry he just breathed this big sigh a... I thought one of the nurses had done it they said no it was him but I want to tell you something then they brought him finally over to us and here's this little guy and he's, he's breathing and, and, and of course he was the best looking kid that had ever been born on planet earth even though he had a head pointed just like that you know and, and I said, oh, he's, he's wonder, Oh, he's beautiful. I tell you what, it was a wonderful thing to be there at the moment of his birth. But I tell you something that thrills me just as much as being there at the moment of his birth is when I go home today, my son's message where he's pastoring will be on Facebook and will be on YouTube and every Sunday, the first thing I do is go home, and I grab a sandwich, and I head in, and I sit down, and my son preaches to me every Lord's Day. Now, I want to tell you something. There's great joy. There's great joy when I see my son standing today living for God. I'm glad he's gone from the baby to the day he got saved. And listen, he was three years old when he received Christ and he's just as clear about his decision today as he was then and then I watched him go to Bible school I watched him go to the mission field for a period of time he came back went to seminary and graduated from seminary with a masters of divinity he's now studying for his doctor of divinity he's pastoring a church He was a youth pastor first, now he's a pastor, and it's all great. But I want to tell you something, I'm awful glad he's where he is today and not where he was back then when he was that little baby. And God wants you to develop. You may not become a preacher and do all those things, but I got news for you. There was a day when you were born into this world and God had a plan for you. From before the foundations of the world, he had chosen you unto salvation. If you're a believer in Christ today, he had chosen you. He would put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but he had a plan for you. And that plan included the day that you came to know Jesus as your personal Savior. And for each one of you, that was a different moment. And he not only had the plan for you to get saved, but he had a plan for you to grow, to be the person you are today. But I've got news for you. He's not done with you yet. He's got a lot more he wants to do in you and through you. And you and I need to look at this and say, thank God. For the work of the gospel and the power of the gospel. Because where would you and I be today had Jesus not died for us. And risen from the dead in victory over sin and over the devil and over death. And folks, he's coming again to get us. I mean, think of all this. This is what we have. These Colossians came to know the Word by experience. They came to know Christ, and they had the same hopes that you and I have today in Jesus Christ. And one day, we're going to meet those Colossian brethren, and those Philippian brethren, and those Ephesian brethren. We're going to meet all of them in glory. And we're all going to have wonderful stories to tell of the great work that God did for each and every one of us. And every time somebody gets done with their testimony, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say, glory to God in the highest. Because he's the only one that's worthy of it. He's the one that has done it. Now, folks, I just preached to you about 20% of my message. But I'm done. I just noticed what time it was, but I made purposely the, you know, I didn't look before now. So there you go. But we'll pick up here next week. But listen, listen listen to me. This is so important. The gospel works. The gospel works. And we need not be ashamed of the gospel. We need to go out and proclaim it to everybody that we can. Because someday, somebody somewhere is going to receive Jesus. Because this gospel works. God has a plan. And he's carrying out his plan. And he has an elect people that he's bringing to himself. Oh, folks, listen. Wouldn't you like to be there when they breathe their first spiritual breath? And then see what God does through them in the years to come. It's glorious. To me, it's glorious. Paul had never known these Colossians. Never met them. But he got their testimony from Epaphras, their pastor. And he knew that they were of the same gospel and of the same faith. And he said, we are one in Christ. It's glorious, truly. All right, let's pray. Father, for me at least, the time goes very quickly. But Lord, when I think about the word of God and I think about this passage of scripture, Lord, I'm reminded that There is a gospel that is the word of truth and this gospel comes from God. And it's communicated through the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And it's about the truth, the Lord Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. But Lord, that gospel needs to be heard. And there are people all over this planet who have never one single time heard the name of Jesus. And if anyone is responsible... It is the church, because it was the commission given to us to take the gospel to every creature. And I ask myself, am I doing my part today? Am I doing my part? And then, Lord, we have seen that these Colossians actually believed the gospel and it was experiential. It Changed their lives. It bore fruit. And we didn't get to talk about what that fruit is, but we're going to talk about that next Lord's day if Jesus tarries. But thank you, oh God, that the gospel produces spiritual fruit in our lives. And when you get saved, you'll never be the same again. You can't be the same. Thank God that's true. And one day, Lord, you're going to finish the job and we're going to be perfectly like Jesus, and we can't wait for glory. We can't wait. Bless your word to our hearts, Lord. We'll be careful to praise you for Jesus' sake. Amen.
0: And this has been the Ewok Podcast with Pastor Robbie Locke. We hope it's been challenging and exuberating and uplifting in your life as it has mine. We hope it helps you walk closer with God and understand Him better and the truth He's laid out for us in His Word. If you've really enjoyed this sermon or it's had a great impact upon your life, leave us an email or go to our Facebook page or our website. And just leave a comment that we might know exactly how it's impacted you. It's very uplifting for us to see those things, for it helps us to push forward to continue doing these. Well, that's all I got for time. Until next week, God bless.